1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. 2. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. When Samuel got old, he must have felt like it was a lot of work for him to judge everybody. He wanted to distribute some of the responsibility to his sons and make them judges as well. He had them stay in Beersheba. He was increasing the number of towns where people could go to get judged because he was already judging in Ramah, Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And now that he has his sons judging in Beersheba, there's more options for the people and less work for Samuel. 3. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted justice. Lucre is money. His sons, the way they judged, was basically by bribes. Whoever paid them money, they would judge in that person's favor. And that is so evil. It's written in God's law not to take bribes. No judge is allowed to take bribes. And this is exactly what they were doing. They were perverted just like Eli's sons were perverted, but in a different way. 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel under Ramah. 5. And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Human beings have a tendency to want to fit in and be like everybody else. And we don't feel comfortable when we're different from other people. And so the Israelites were the same way. Instead of having their heart after God, their heart was after fitting in and being like everybody else. They wanted a king because all of the pagan nations had kings. And that is not what God wanted. They were only supposed to have one king, who is Jesus Christ, who was to come. But they wanted an earthly king. 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. He knew that it was wrong, and it isn't the Lord's will. The Lord wanted them to have a priest and a judge. And that's all the Lord wanted their government to be run by, is one priest and one judge. But they wanted a king and the courtiers and all that goes with it. They wanted an earthly government. 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I shall not be king over them. Now who is I? That's Jesus, because he is God. The Father and the Son are one. They were rejecting Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And in that, they were also rejecting the Father. They were rejecting God as a whole. That's what God tells Samuel. He says, they're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting me. But give them what they want. Sometimes God does give us what we want, and it's to teach us a lesson, the value of his ways. There's been a couple of times in my life where the Lord gave me what I wanted, but then I found out later that I should have been wanting what he wanted, and things would have worked out better for me. So it kind of helped me learn to ask God what he wants and go in his direction instead of asking him to give me what I want. He's going to give the people what they want in order to teach them that he is what they really need, not an earthly king. 
8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, and that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto me. He's saying they still have these sinful hearts where they want to have pagan gods, and now they want to have a king just like the pagans, and it's all because they're rejecting me, their Lord. 9. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit thou shalt earnestly forewarn them, and shalt declare unto them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. God says, go ahead and give them a king, but warn them that this king is going to be ruthless, and basically take everything from them. 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. Every time somebody came to Samuel and said, we want a king, this is what he would say. 11. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them unto him for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and they shall run before his chariots. That's hard labor, having to run before the chariots. 12. And he will appoint them unto him for captains of thousands and captains of fifties, meaning that they'll be forced into military duty, and their lives will be in danger and to plow his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and the instruments of his chariots. They will be forced into being his servants. 13. And he will take your daughters to be perfumers, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. The daughters will have to leave home, and instead of taking care of their own families, and helping their parents, they'll be serving the king. 14. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. They'll get robbed of their fields and vineyards, and he will give them to his servants. Sounds a lot like communism, but it's also typical of any kingdom where the king pays people to protect him and give him allegiance. That's how a kingdom works, is the king basically pays people to be his servants and his protectors, his warriors. And that's why people are loyal to the king is because of the money that they're getting from him. But in order for the king to pay his protectors and his servants, he has to rob innocent people to get that money. And that's how kingdoms work. God is warning them, if you want an earthly king, he's going to take advantage of you just like all earthly kings take advantage of their subjects. 15. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And that is what we today consider tax. So on top of giving to the Lord, we also are forced to give to our government. And that's why people struggle so much. 16. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He's going to conscript people into all kinds of different service and even take their donkeys and make their donkeys work for the king instead of for the people who owned them. 17. He will take the tenth of your flocks, and ye shall be his servants. 18. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, whom ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not answer you in that day. He's going to have to take their flocks to feed his army and his servants, and to entertain his guests. They'll lose food that way. And they will cry out to God, for mercy because their king will tax them so heavily, but he won't listen to them when they cry out because he gave them what they wanted. The pagan kings are doing the exact same thing to their people, but the Israelites just want to fit in. They don't see that it isn't 
in their best interest to have a king. They just want to be like everybody else. And Christians make the same mistake. We want to get married to a certain person, or we want to have a certain career. We want to have so many children. And we just push against God's will because we want to fit in and be like the Joneses. But really, God has a much better plan for us to serve him, glorify his name, increase his kingdom. And then when we go to heaven, there will be a lot of eternal rewards for us. But instead, we just want to fit in here like everybody else and do what everybody else does and have the same life that everybody else does and be able to travel and have all these entertainments. And it's really a waste. We're just wasting our time on earth. And then when we get to heaven, we'll realize how much time we wasted. And that's if we make it. Because if you're chasing the things of the world, I don't know if you're going to make it to heaven. We're supposed to be focused on what God wants. 19. But the people refused to hearken unto the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but there shall be a king over us. So even when Samuel warned them of how difficult it would be under a king, they still wanted it. 20. That we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. They don't want a holy judge like Samuel. They want a king to judge them. And the king may not be holy. 21. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he spoke them in the ears of the Lord. Samuel told the Lord what the people said. 22. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So he told the people, Go home. The matter is settled. God is going to give you a king. But Notice Samuel waits for instructions on how to do this. He doesn't just run out the next day and go appoint somebody a king on his own. He isn't going to anoint someone king until the Lord tells him who to anoint. This is another lesson for us as Christians. Just because God said, go climb that mountain, that doesn't mean that we know everything and that we can decide what day we're going to climb it and how we're going to climb it and who we're going to climb it with. We need to wait for full instructions. When he says, go climb that mountain, we know we're going to climb it, but we still need to wait for him to tell us where, how, and why. And that's what Samuel does. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 8.